city limits. limits. Brought to I us just think by the that it's ironic that the state Wednesday of Victoria wants to treaty with City limits is Melbourne's only are devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City limits. limits. Okay, city limits on the air, and um, Meg Meg Kimmer just said on the air, which is very good. Um, John McPherson sitting over there, Meg Meg sitting over there, I'm Kevin Healy sitting over here. Good and morning, it's, um, all. John McPherson being here means it's the first Wednesday of the month. It's transport day, John, and we've got Yay. no shortage of stuff as usual on transport <laughs> in Melbourne, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> including a. Um, article in The Age recently that um, put forward a theory of yours, or not more than a theory, and I think a, a solution mm. of yours about using the loop better, mm. um, although it also involved the, the metro going ahead, which we, I mean, it's going to go ahead, we can't mm. stop it, but mm. nonetheless, there were ways around that as well. But mm. yeah, we'll come on to that yeah, a bit we'll later there. That, yeah. uh, and also in the first half, we're going to have a, a catch-up call to Gemma Caffarella from the uh, Footscray Park Group. Because ah. um, a few weeks ago when we last spoke to them, the council had just met and appointed and said they were going to appoint a community committee to have a look at it, or a committee to have a look at it, with five community representatives. And we, at that stage, they weren't sure how that was going to happen, but we'll get an update on what's happening to that. That's the um, park that they want to take over for, soccer. for a football, soccer yeah, training yeah, yeah. facility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So we'll catch up with that and just and that, do a that sort of, update. That sort of landed on the community out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, it's an update, and um, well, it, apparently that you know the community suspects the council and the club had been been negotiating for a long time, mm, but mm. it didn't become public until a certain point. We haven't poured the tea yet. My God, this is mm. oh, well, we've got to give the oh, tea time. Hang on, stew. Ah, uh, there we go. I'll what are we drinking there. today? Kevin? Well, white tea. John always likes white I tea, like so white he tea. gets white tea. Oh. John Day is white tea. Oh. Wow. I'm looked after here. I really yeah. am looked after. Yeah. 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 Well, white tea is nice anyway. Yeah. It's not quite as, you know, the tannin. Strong. Thing. It's not as yeah. strong as green yeah. tea. That's yeah. true. Yeah. There you are, John. You have that cup Thank there you. with all those lovely very nice plums fruit on it. Yes. Thank you. And I'll give this cup too because she likes cups. And Thanks. I'll have the other mug, which uh, has something on it I can't really yes. read. It's a bit, it's a bit <laughs> wild, isn't it? A bit strange. Hang on, in the back it says, uh, we don't live here anymore, the end of this thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's, um, that's just thrilled the listeners no end. Absolutely. Um, no one's turned off. No one's turned their radio off on no. that. They're like, what's going to happen next? It's whether what's on turned, the mug? It's whether they've turned, turned it on it in on. the first place. <laughs> 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 that's the big question. Um, the... Uh, Anyway, just on um, our usual kickoff with the Herald Sun, let's do that. Um, last for Thursday night on the telly or somewhere, or maybe in another paper somewhere, mm. there was a report that, in fact, the crime rate in Victoria had dropped in the past 12 months, and it is, we, we've reported that it keeps dropping. Mm. But the Herald Sun won't let that get, that get no. in the way of a good story. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So that was Thursday night where they said the crime rate has actually been dropping, and it's certainly dropping per capita. Um, next morning, double spread in the Herald Sun, Victoria's rising tide of violence, unsolved murders testing police, locations with the highest crime rate, and there they all are. But then, even though even those with the highest crime rate, Melbourne itself down 10.7%. What's that going to do with rising tide, for God's sake? 
But um, Kevin, it's the really nasty crimes that are rising, you see. Yeah, right. The Herald well. Sun type right. crimes. Oh, the right. ones that they regard as real crimes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Not, not Sorry. anything to Sorry. do with yeah. um, white collar criminals or anything like that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, and let's yeah. not uh, say anything defamatory here. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think that was defamatory. <laughs> and, no, that, well, you weren't, but I could have easily. <laughs> I could have yeah. counted with something <laughs> and thought, hang on, Kev, don't say that. Um, the same day, the editorial arrests rise as police strike. I mean, there we go again, just the, the same yeah, fear yeah. thing. Yeah. And there was a report somewhere where, again, in the Herald Sun, I think, where you know, a considerable number of people are fearful of crime, etc. And why, oh, like I wonder? It, oh, why? like it always. They could always, you know, make up a survey that proved that. Mm. You know, you mm. ask the right question, everybody's fearful of crime. Yes. And, um, again, in the Herald Sun, um, they, they're going to have, they're going to keep Parkville open now, the, the prison there, the, the, yep, the, 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 the kids' the prison, prison, junior yeah. prison there, mm, yeah. uh, which was going to close. That means they've reduced the number of beds in the Cherry Creek prison at Werribee due to open in 2021. We're building these prisons everywhere, yeah. mm. and that's going to be for young people. We don't need the bloody things. I mean, why not Why not provide bloody housing for those young people at, yeah. you know, yeah. at... A $288 million high security Cherry Creek prison, $288 million to buy a whole lot of housing for people mm. we're going, overcome many of their we're problems. We're going down the same road that the US went down 30 years ago with you know, more and more yeah. prisons and more and more um, you know, people locked up. And they've now turned around, yeah. even in the most conservative states. They've yeah, turned around. They, they, they've even, even the Republicans have accepted it doesn't work. And the same thing is we've done also is increase the bloody penalties and made mm. it harder to get parole, harder to get bail, you know, all that. Um, and it's, so it's when people come out of their longer sentences, they're going to be less able to, to you know, work, get back into the community. They're going yep. to be more... Yeah. You know, well, they get about one day's money for one day, one night's accommodation when they come out yeah, or something. Yeah, when they're yeah, on their on their own. Well, yeah. what else do you do but go yeah. and knock something off? I suppose yeah, to uh, yeah. keep yourself alive. Yeah. For God's so you know, on past performance in twenty five years' time, we'll be saying, "Oh, this has all been terrible. Yeah. We've done the wrong thing." Yeah. And we might have Hopefully. a rising <laughs> might have a rising crime rate by then. Speaking of the US, John. Um, yes. Spare a, a thought for Donald Trump. Oh. Poor Donald. He's, he's missed out Please. very badly. No, well, he, no Could we sense. have a pack one day to have a Trump-free program? Well, it's pretty hard, but he, he does yeah. so much. <laughs> the the contemptus. Um, now, he, at the United Nations in his speech last week, he bemoaned the fact that he never got the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He was in his speech. You're sure he wasn't having a little joke? No, he said, I would get a Nobel Prize for a lot of things if they give it out fairly, he complained. <laughs> that again. Um, <laughs> and, and he, he, I'm uh, the ruler of the world. He said, they gave one to Obama immediately upon his ascent to the presidency and he had no idea why he got it. That was the only thing I agreed with him on. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Donald, spare a thought, yeah. will you please? Uh, uh, another... Yeah. Another similar character um, bemoaning, the headline is Duterte rejects loans from drug war critics. You think, oh, maybe he's getting stuck into the drug lords, etc. But no, he's, 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 he's instructed all departments and state-run firms to halt negotiations and agreements on grants and loans from countries mm. that have backed a UN investigation into his bloody war on drugs. So uh. if you attack his war, 
you get you can't um, you can't, out. No. You can't make donations. <laughs> With 18 countries in favour, the UN Human Rights Council approved a resolution in July to compile a comprehensive report on Duterte's uh, Duterte's yeah, three-year crackdown, during which at least 6,700 people have been killed, and I reckon that'd be at least. At least an understatement. Um, he yeah. says the deaths were the results of shootouts with drug dealers who resisted arrest. Mm. There you are. So they're two characters pretty similar, I would think, mm. in their attitudes to life. Yeah. Uh, now, we've many times Mind in the you, last Duarte's, year... Um, I'm sorry, just on, no, no, yeah. his, um, his approval ratings are sky high. They're up close to 80, around 80%. Yeah, uh, it's a worry, uh, isn't it? It's a worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might be pretty Trump's, Trump's aren't anything like that. Yeah, well, he's, he is in trouble they're, at the moment. I they're think, a fair but, bit um, below 50. Yeah, but he's also got poor old Scott into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and Alexander. I know. Oh, poor Alexander. I know. Yes, yes, Alexander terrible. was just having a cosy drink with a cute young guy at the that's bar. Right, that's yeah. right. Couldn't <laughs> hand it. Couldn't happen to a nicer bloke, could it? Um, um, we've mentioned in the last year or so quite a lot, because it's about a year since it happened, or a bit more perhaps, Stony Creek, the um, the great damage there from mm-hmm. that fire last year. But it just never stops for poor old Stony Creek. I mean, it's trying to clean itself up. A polluter has been confronted uh, confronted by the EPA after discolouring Stony Creek in Yarraville. A Mark Chemist, Australasia Proprietary Limited, so Mark Chem, imagine the sort of stuff they'd be making, mm. in Brooklyn was ordered to immediately install controls to prevent waste discharging from its Geelong Road premises. The EPA said the business was almost 3K from the discharge point but was responsible for the pollution from a five-litre bottle of dye which had blown over. Oh, no. And it's getting into... So poor old Stony Creek just oh, cops no. it over and over and over. Very sad. Yeah, mm. which is not good, not good. Now, no, it was uh, a bit of a mystery how how they how it got that colour. That was quite a quite a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's it. That's it. Mm. Went blue. Um, mm. Now, fun, Monday's financial review covered the AFL grand final in only the way it can. <laughs> a double page spread of right. the elite of the corporate world oh, whining and dining at tables together. Oh, good. Um, and just as a, a rundown, um, there's. Um, there's Scott Morrison um, with Claire Stokes, who's the you know, partner of Stokes, who runs Channel 7 and those things, oh, all the yes, yes, papers, yes. etc., yes, yes. and probably a you know, director herself or something of the company. Um, the Governor-General, David Hurley, an old um, train killer, chats to AFL Commission Chairman Richard Goiter, who's also, of course, a, a senior business person in mm-hmm. this community. Oh, good, yeah. There's Eddie Maguire seen there. There's... Um, there's Rich Lister, Paul Little, who's ex Essendon, but he's also, of course, Toll Holdings and all those uh-huh. things. Uh, and J- Jane Hansen, I don't know who she is. Andy Penn, who's in charge of one of the big companies, I can't think which one, with Ryan Stokes. He's the son of. Right. Um, they're all there. Then there's uh, Tony Shepherd, the head of, um, well, he's chair of everything, and he writes reports for the government. Um, he's trans- had to smash unions. Yeah. Uh, he might have been at Ma- some stage. Been, yeah. He he. Anyway, he's an, he's now of course president of um, the Greater Western Sydney Giants. So he had a oh, he, well, he had he a had wonderful a day. day. Yeah. Hope he stayed at the table and didn't watch the match. <laughs> um, then there's um, yeah, he might have got smashed at the yeah, luncheon. Then yeah. there's the AFL bloke Gillan McLaughlin, who of course comes from a very high oh, yes. uh, pastoralist Western Australian family, like his brother and his. His uncle was um, a minister who heavily involved in the maritime dispute, if you recall, oh, going back. Okay. Um, that family. 
there's Maurice Payne, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. She's with um, some some New South Wales bloke. There's Kim Williams, the ex-Murdoch yeah, yeah. head, yeah. who's now on the commission. He's photographed with Anthony Albanese having a nice day at the footy. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Anthony got in amongst it. Yeah, oh. that's good. And there's Peggy O'Neill, another business person, President of Richmond, with Felicity and Jeff Kennett. Dan Rosen, the CSO of Australian Recording, and Aussie, and there's Ron Barassi there. But there's all these business people everywhere. And, the, and of course, down the road or at home, people who couldn't get into the match because they couldn't afford a ticket or couldn't get a mm. ticket um, weren't there. But I bet they all queued up to get their tickets. And, uh, <laughs> for sure. So, so can I say what your point is, Kevin? <laughs> My point is that somehow the, the ordinary lot get, when it comes to this, the, it's all about business. The yeah. game is pure business. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, Kevin loves the big games and the, um, the cup and everything and the fashions. He's yeah, always going on Melbourne about Cup. it. He's yeah. got the Melbourne Cup. He's always bringing in the, I mean, the pictures <laughs> Speaking and saying of fashions, what everyone's he wearing. He remembers his and... grand days when yeah. he used to be part of it. Yeah. Well, but, I, can I say, though? I did the, go to many grand parties yeah. in the past. Yeah. <laughs> that the... Yeah, that the um, corporates all get in there. But, of course, these days they call AFL a business. So don't call it a game anymore. It's a business. Well, Tony Shepard was interviewed the day before talking about how Greater Mm. Western was going to win. But but he never never talked about it in any way as a sport. He talked about it purely as business, as a marketing exercise, how bringing two new teams in gave them an extra game to sell to television. That was therefore... Um, yeah, it was purely yeah. marketing business terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. speaking of your fashion thing you just mentioned, mm-hmm. the ultimate fighting championship and the bloke who runs it, uh, Dana White, um, as no, sorry, uh, that's um, that's a different one. This bloke, yes, Dana White, that's his name, described the move as ridiculous and uneducated. The move is the boss of the multi-billion dollar has blasted the Victorian government for trying to ban his octacon girls from these these stupid fight things they uh-huh. have. Um, and there's one coming up apparently in a week or so. Maybe it already happened, I'm not sure. But speaking from Las Vegas, he insisted the octagon girls who parade scantily clad holding up signs for each round would, ap- would appear... Uh, White hit back saying, nobody is telling me that. Uh, that. That is, they should scrap them. Our octagon girls, now this is the bit you'll probably able to interpret for me and tell me what he means. <laughs> They're as much a part of the UFC brand as anyone. They're ambassadors for our sport. So for someone who has absolutely no education about who these girls are, about what they do, what they mean to the UFC, to start going off, it's ridiculous. See? Oh, well. So they obviously do great things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'd be good. They're not girls; they're grown women. Yeah, I don't know. That's right. <laughs> I don't know anything about this. But well, they're all um, starting out on modeling careers. You see, they're getting themselves noticed. Well, well, a bit of, you know, bit more. someone should ask them what they think. Get their, <laughs> get their opinion. Oh, they instead of men all talking about them. Enthusiastic. As yeah. Oh, they're highly paid. He said highly paid. Oh, good. Good yeah, on them. Enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But that's just a you know extraordinary piece of logic. And imagine them. What an idiot. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a story came out in the Age last week about um, the rainforest killings and the fact that um, mm. you know we all know it, I guess, but in the, across the Amazon rainforests, um, across three or four countries, of course, mm. um, people who are fighting for human rights or fighting to save the forests from loggers and pastors, etc., are being knocked off. I mean, they're being tor- captured, they're disappearing. Yes, and the Brazilian government is quite a lot encouraging yeah. development. Than yeah. in the forest, yeah. yeah in Basically the, knocking it down. Yeah. Yeah. In the rainforest mafias, how violence and, and impunity fuel deforestation in Brazil's Amazon report, um, HRW, which is the Human Rights Watch, 
um, documented 28 killings in the past five years, as well as four attempted killings and more than 40 cases of death threats in which there was credible evidence that those responsible were engaged in illegal deforestation and saw their victims as obstacles to their criminal enterprise, mm. et cetera, et cetera. But it's pretty, well, there seem to be these, it's pretty dreadful. There seem to be these um, military death, death squads and so on who are you know, basically given the, given the go-ahead by the government to, to go and do their worst. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> and just before we go to um, to to um, to Gemma, Gemma. Um, just the last few days, you'll note. Well, the last week, the government has appointed yet another committee to look at superannuation with three people on it. Yes, uh, in, and what people? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And um, the union funds have um, been a bit noisy about it, suggesting that the woman, one of the women they put on, Dr. Ralston, Deborah Ralston. Um, has already made comments that she doesn't think it should be compulsory super, and you know workers, you know workers, but, but should be able to opt out, etc., etc. She's been put on the uh, um, commission. But to get an idea, we the, they say they're not against unions, etc., in these things, but um, in defending themselves, mm. um, uh, Morrison. Uh, and the treasurer Freudenberg came out and said they would not be bullied over Dr. Ralston's appointment. Some suggestions that we that we can only have people doing this review that the union industry bosses actually agree with is absurd, Morrison said. What sort of country do we live in where the union funds are saying we'll pick and choose how much money flows into our funds? I mean, that's just ridiculous. We're not going to be intimidated by that at all. She has great experience in this area and we welcome her participation in the review. Isn't that wonderful? Oh. So I think we know where that review is going to go. Yep. Um, and uh, Well, you see, the, <coughs> the trick is that if the poor don't have to pay into superannuation, well, sorry, the lower paid... That means that their wages can be magically seen to rise mm. uh, because they're getting yeah. getting access to all the, that money right. as well, and that will be mm. that will be quite good for the uh, mm. top for end the of way town that because they... it'll keep wages down. That's her argument, and sort of. A, and it won't be an issue until mm. they, they get to retirement when mm. oh, magically mm. oh they, all they get is just yeah. the pension. Stuff yeah. all. Yeah. If um, you're lucky at that yeah. stage. Well, yeah, that, yeah, like, that's yeah. her argument, not in those terms. She, no. she puts it in terms of saying taking that money out of low-paid workers yeah. means they have less money to live on mm. and they need that money. Oh, my God. Et cetera. Pay, now, pay people a living wage. Now that's the, yeah, There's yeah, a radical really, idea. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you pill upon the same solution I thought. Maybe I pay them a bit more money. Isn't that weird? Peter, Peter Martin, who talks economics for the ABC, <laughs> seems to agree with her, which is quite interesting. He's yeah. quite uh, outspoken on that. On the issue, he's he seems to feel that the um, getting the money in your hand now well, see, is these, so much better than getting it when you retire. These conservative governments that are, think mm. that they act as if they're low governance, like we yeah. won't mess in your life, no. we shouldn't have to do anything you don't want to do, and yet if you're on a pension, if you're looking for work and you're receiving mm. assistance from the government, then they have a lot of opinions oh, yes. about where you can spend your money and mm. how much money you should have. And mm. if you have like a cashless debit card, you can only spend mm. it at their, you know, yep. the business is run by <laughs> their friends. Mm-hmm. You can't go to the op shop. You can't, no, no, you can't buy no. any alcohol because no, that's very, no. Gamble, you know, smoke. No, you can't no, do anything no, you want to no, do. No, no. But all, all, everyone else can. So Now to finish that, that item and then we'll move on. Um, last week, uh, the um, Super, Annua- Super Consumers Australia, which is an offshoot of Choice magazine, 
put out at the bottom quartile of super funds in terms of those that don't provide a good, you know, mm, a proper good, return yeah, to their yes. members. Mm-hmm. So the lower, the lower lot, yep. of which there's 21 of them, of which four were industry funds, right. and 17, and the, the rest of them, 17, were yeah. retail and and, and mm. corporate funds, mm. Mm. which is their further argument why they need to run the thing and not yeah. the industry. Oh, yeah. don't you think? Absolutely. I mean. <laughs> the in- industry funds are, are clearly not paying the, their no. management no. enough. Yeah. No, well, they probably they're probably going to be. Of course, we need a level playing. <laughs> we need a level playing field, and then they're, they're making That's it unlevel right. by doing too well. <laughs> that, that is pretty much that is pretty much what the likes of Friedenberg and Co. think. Yeah, that's right. You know, we're in the business of making sure our our, our, our allies in the financial industry yeah. do well, so that they will donate lots of money to the Liberal Party. Mm, yeah. You're a cynic, pretty much John. Sums it up. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> After this break, we'll talk to Gemma Caparella in Footscray Park. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month. Or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR. Funded by the City of Yarra. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. Not yet, Gemma Caparella from the um, Save Footscray Park Group. And Gemma, we've also got John McPherson in the studio, our transport guru, who's in here to talk transport, so he might, he might cut that in at some stage as well. Uh, but last time we spoke to you, uh, the council had decided to set up a committee to... to get over this problem they were facing with uh, a soccer club taking over a public park and it said they'd appoint or not appoint, they'll somehow have five community people on it. How's that worked out and have they been elected or how is the process? Yeah, so good morning. Um, well, we're, we're sort of, the process is underway just to um, remind people where we're at. Um, council voted formally to reject the proposal to let Melbourne Victory take over our beloved public park, um, but they've now put in place this community advisory panel. So five of the spots are elected spots for community representatives. Um, one of our biggest concerns is that the remainder of the spots um, who will have the majority of the voting power are predominantly organisations with formal links and probably conflicts of interest um, with Melbourne Victory Football Club. Um, so organisations like the Maribyrnong Swifts um, Football Club who have a financial relationship with Melbourne Victory. Um, but in terms of the five community members that are able to be on the panel, there, there are currently elections underway. And I, I use elections in a broad, in a broad sense. Um, because we have some concerns about the way that council are 
um, rolling out that process. And, and it's probably worth saying that we went along to the meeting, um, the relevant meeting, and asked Council to slow down and to make sure that it was done properly. Our concern is that Melbourne Victory has interfered with the community consultation in the past. Um, we know that they were encouraging members from outside the area to send in submissions to council, encouraging them to go ahead with the plan. Um, there's a range of ways that they were interfering. Um, and our concern about this process has been that council weren't limiting the voting to people who live within the um, boundaries of the city of Maribyrnong. Um, now, we've done a fair bit of work trying to push council to put proper processes and procedures in place. Um, and just yesterday, um, they actually changed the voting system to ensure that people need to upload proof of residency um, before they can vote. But the strange thing is that they did that after voting opened. So voting opened on Monday, and it wasn't until Tuesday afternoon that they put in place the residency requirements um, so we have no idea what's going to happen to the people who have already voted. Um, we don't know how many people have already voted. Um, yeah, it's all it's all just another bungled consultation. So process. people in that one and a half days or two days, wherever it was, um, people from outside the city who may be strong supporters of the Melbourne Victory Soccer Club could have voted for the community yep. representatives. Mm. Absolutely, um, there was no there was nothing stopping people. Um, you know, um, as an experiment, we had a member of our group register their dog to vote. Um, right. You know, so basically there was absolutely nothing stopping stopping people swamp um, that process. And, you know, we yeah, we don't know what's happened during that time. I mean, we see it as a win that they've finally changed it. Absolutely. If we weren't involved in this, if we weren't sending them quite pushy legal letters questioning whether this was lawful, they, there's no way they would have um, worried about this. So, I mean, we do have to, um, you know, give credit to the amazing community campaign that's in place. Um, but, you know, yeah, there's real questions. Why, why, you know, why this was put in place after the commencement of voting, why council are so rushed to get this all in place is just, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't think there's any um, explanation that they could give us to justify it. How many did you say were on the consultative committee in total? There's five community members and then how many? Oh, you've caught me out oh, on the details. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I think there's about, excuse me, nine spots. Oh. Um, yeah, for, um, you know, community organisations. Yeah. Um, and most of those are sporting clubs and schools, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit strange for us that... Because, um, you know, what this panel is meant to be considering is the future of Footscray Park as a whole. And Footscray Park is a heritage-listed botanic garden with some... You know, we've heard from the... Um, the Heritage Garden Association of Australia um, that we have really rare endangered plants in mm. our gar- in the Botanic Gardens part. Mm. And so it just seems really, um, you know, insufficient to us mm. that mm. people like, you know, football club representatives are going to be determining the future of the park as a whole. It just, it, it just um, smacks of, you know, council essentially saying this is about the park, but really it's about putting Melbourne Victory into our park. That's, mm-hmm. that's clearly the intention of the process. What's the, um, yeah, what is the parameters of this group? Like, does it have to be a consensus? Is it a majority rules? And how, like, are the council bound to follow through on what the group agrees on? Um, I don't think they are bound to follow it. But yeah. I think they probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, I've just had the flu. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's um yeah there's there's just a real lack of clarity about what the group will actually do mm. how the you know how the decision making process will come about mm. um you know and the the parameters of what they're going to consider what we do know which is quite alarming is that they will be bound by um, the terms of reference, which basically limit them to considering the benefits of the proposal. Um, mm. So, you know, that seems uh, a little bit um, like a sleight of hand. Um, and the other thing that we're quite concerned about is that there's an exclusivity clause in, contained in the Memorandum of Understanding that Council signed with Maribyrnong, sorry, with Melbourne Victory. Mm. So way back when that when they were doing this all secretly behind closed doors for four years, they signed a memorandum, memorandum of understanding that said that they're not permitted to engage in negotiations with any person or group regarding use of that space, which is a huge part of our green space, um, with any other person. So that would include considering the way that our own community might run that space. And that memorandum of understanding remains in place while this panel apparently is going to be able to consider, um, you know, the general future of what, what's best for this mm. space for our community. So, you know, it's quite ominous. It's all very um, opaque. I don't think our council has intended at any point to genuinely consult locals. And this is, you know, they their mm. first consultation process got to them to the point where it was very clear that they couldn't support it. Um, because locals so, you know, um, largely opposed it, that now they've put in place a second process that would allow them to, um, you know, put it in place without having their own neck on the chopping block. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. John, you're going to say something. Well, are you a Labor-dominated council? I can't can't recall whether yes, you are. Yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So out in the west, we're just such an incredibly safe Labor yeah. area yeah. that we don't get any traction with any political party. No, I was hoping yeah. you're going to say the Greens had a bit of influence, so they got some. No, the Greens have been, to be honest, um, absolutely hopeless. Our Greens councillor wow. is one of the most um, ardent <laughs> proponents of this plan. <laughs> um, so you know that's been incredibly disappointing, and we've mm. been calling on the state Greens to engage with us. Yep. on this. Yeah, um, well. You know, there's a lot of, you know, dyed-in-the-wool um, Greens people sure. involved in our campaign who are just incredibly disappointed. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, you would think that the Greens would be the first people to really back the community to preserve mm. a piece mm. of green space. Yeah. But, you know, we're hopeful that they'll come around. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, but, I know there's work going on. But it would seem on. to be there, you know, that would be defending your park would be part of their agenda without even thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah, and when you yeah. look at their policies, you know, these are all publicly available documents. Yeah. Their policies yeah. seem to, um, you know, mean that they should be people that we yeah. can rely on. And we hope yeah. that they will become people yeah. that we can yeah. rely on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the moment, we've really, we've got the support of essentially no one. <laughs> Except the community, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But it is fascinating how, how yeah. Park Lane's always up for grabs, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. But Gemma, when you say that they rejected the proposal, in fact, it was more an adjournment, obviously, to refer it to this committee and come back. Well, actually, they formally rejected the proposal. It's so oh. strange. I, I can't. Ex I can't even explain what they're doing. But they've formally rejected it, but then instituted this committee to continue to consider it. And the only councillor that we've had support us um, is Councillor Mia McGregor, who's an independent councillor. Uh -huh. She gave a really quite. Um, 
you know, stunning speech, um, and she referred to this process as a sleight of hand. So she said, um, you know, that clearly council had decided to reject it on the basis that there wasn't a mandate to go ahead with it, mm-hmm. but then they'd nonetheless instituted this second process which was intended to make it go ahead. So, mm. um, yeah, she was really quite um, brutally honest about the whole thing, and then the other councillors, you know, essentially jumped on her, verbally attacked her, um, yeah, it was quite a remarkable meeting. But, yeah, it seems like the council is just absolutely hell-bent on making this go ahead. Um, and, you know, our community is really locked in at this point in a huge battle that we will see um, leading into the elections in, you mm. know, the council elections in um, late 2020. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right, but well, maybe we'll just well, I leave imagine, it there. Yeah, the, just yeah. one more question. I imagine the corporate side of the council is very much in favour of, of the whole thing. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very clear to us there's been presentations made by, you know, different people in the in the unelected yeah. part of council um, that makes it very clear that they are behind this Ooh. and pushing it yeah. in a very big way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and if I if I can <laughs> just get on my soapbox for a minute, you know, like this, this um, situation with the park is really... Um, a bigger, you know, it's part of a bigger problem that the community see with our local council. People are incredibly disappointed um, with the way that council is run and, you know, this is just the cherry on top for so many people. We we believe that the administrative arm of the council really runs things, um, you know, and I think that's why the community have really locked in behind this and that's why we've got such an amazing, empowered um, community campaign that's up and running. Just one other thing before we go. You mentioned that agreement that it made in secret virtually between the parties. Um, if it is rejected in the end, would Melbourne Victory have any legal recourse in terms of taking on the council? Um, we're curious about that. So we've written to council um, asking them that. Is there any um, potential risk of liability, financial liability, if you in the end reject this? Um, and they have said to us that they don't believe that there is. But the fact that they're saying that they don't believe was mm, interesting yes. um, because they've answered a range of questions for us to say no, no, no. Mm. Um, and they came to us and said they don't believe so. But, um, mm. yeah, we have real questions about um, whether or not they might be opening themselves up to some form of liability. Yeah, we'll mm. wait and see on that. Yeah. OK. Look, Gemma, we'll yeah. keep in touch, obviously, but uh, we better finish there today and let John get on with his transport. Um, yes, but thanks, thanks for Thanks for me. your time and may that flew clear up pretty quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, thanks, Gemma. Gemma Caparella there Mm. from the Stop Safe Butch Bay Park Group. Yeah, she presents presents it well. Yeah, and people can hear her here on 3CR on the Law Show as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, Yes. Oh, good. Uh, She's got good connections here. John, John, um, transport. Transport. Um, Once again last month, surprise, surprise, (laughs) Metro bombed out on time. In fact, they... uh, uh, 10.1% of city trains were more than five minutes late in August and they mm. got fined a bit more money and mm. people are getting reimbursed. But the, the reimbursement process is, is, she used the word opaque there, it's pretty opaque mm. in this it's case, pretty too, opaque, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. And, and, you know, you can only get it if you've got a certain ticket and yeah. all that. So n- normal users, people who just yeah. put their top up their yeah. Mikey or yeah. even ones who have weeklies don't get it. Yeah. Um, I think you've got to have the monthly. monthly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's just um, it's just just totally unsatisfactory. And you can imagine if somebody's trying to sort this mess, you know, sort it out, they're at work <laughs> and they pick, you know, they're on the phone to mm. the Met trying to organise the, right. 
their uh, compensation. How long? How long can you? Mm. You know, someone lose. I know just factor, factors it into her uh, monthly transport costs right. and just says like, okay, well, that's, it costs this much, but I always get the, <laughs> the <refund. laughs> yeah. so it's a little bit less. Well, I, <laughs> so I just well, apply I, every month. In my in my when, yeah. in my darkest moments, I think that that's actually what they want want you to do. You well, know, that, it makes that it it's cheaper. A sort of a Pavlovian response yeah. that they're they're sort of engendering. That look, we don't offer very good public transport, but you get but it. But frankly, cheaper. it's cheap. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. save yeah. fifty like, bucks a month yeah, or something. Something like that. Like that well, yeah. Daniel Bowen from the Public Transport Users Association said the compensation should be automatic, yeah. and, it sh- and it should <laughs> be. I mean, rather than having to apply, Just and it have should a go cheaper ticket. It should so go to expensive. everybody. Yes, that's right. It yeah. should go yeah. to everybody who um, are that's used right. to. The, yeah. They can they can trace which tickets used to that. Well, yeah. Well, of course we're told we're told all the wonders of the Mikey system and how it works, but. <laughs> Frankly, I don't think it's quite the system we were told that. about. No, yeah. no. Um, we've got another offering there. Yes, the well, this is the article from the Age we talked oh, about, yeah, John yeah, John sure. Hirsch from the um, yes. Rail Futures Institute, yes. which is a body we should get on this program and have a chat to, I guess. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Russell might be but, good. Uh, yeah, yeah mm. um, but they've come out with a report, um, mm. and it, it it says that, for instance. Um, Two short sections of underground track added to the city loop could provide the equivalent of a 10-lane freeway mm. through the heart of the city. Now, this yep. is wow. something dear to your heart, John. It is, yes, yes. Do you yes. want to have a bit of a chat sure, about Sure, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, if you take the city loop and you um, try mentally imagining straightening out the lines so that all the trains come in one side and go out the other side of the city rather than going round, rotating all the way round, that means they'd only stop at half the stations, either the stations on the north side oh, okay, of the loop yeah. yep. or the south side of the loop. Mm. But they'd be in and out quickly. Mm. And because they only go across one side of the loop, they actually use a lot less of the track so that you can actually rearrange the loop to get a lot more trains through mm-hmm. in, 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 say, the peak hour, which is the, you know, the important time. Mm-hmm. Um, Am I making any sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It, it, almost. It may, almost, yes. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a hard <laughs> one to describe. Uh, but it means that people have a less selection of stations in the city, you know. Uh, they don't because they're trained. But, a lot of, but some trains now don't go right round the loop, you know. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but in, if you wanted to make maximum use of the system in the city, you would rearrange it so no trains went right round the loop and out again. Then they all just went across, and that way you'd get a lot more capacity out of the loop. And then if you had to go, like if you were on a train that went um, through Flinders Street and mm-hmm. Southern Cross mm-hmm. and you wanted to go to Parliament, you'd mm-hmm. get off at Southern Cross and well, yeah, or, take another or one. It's, or you could probably change a train at Richmond just then get a train okay. that was going to take you directly right. to, to Parliament. And yeah. the same would happen in the West at Footscray. Yep. you'd be able to change trains there and get a train that would take you to the other side of the loop okay. from, the, from the side your train was going to go. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people going to the centre of the city, it really wouldn't matter mm-hmm. which, which side of the city, whether they got out at Melbourne Central or got out at Flinders Street. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, frankly, metro systems all over the world expect interchange. Yeah. Ours is ours is an unusual one mm. where so many people can all get where they want to go without interchange. But by offering that, we're cutting down the act- actual capacity of the loop yeah. quite radically. 
Which is why trains will, like you're on the upfield line and it goes, um, it stops between North Melbourne and Flagstaff and sits there. Mm-hmm. Is that because there's trains going through the loop and it just doesn't have access to get into the loop? Well, well, yeah, the, the, in theory, the, the timetabling enables every train to smoothly go through as they want mm. to. But in practice. But in practice, it doesn't necessarily yeah. happen. Mm. Yeah. Last Wednesday week coming here, I had that problem. When we got outside mm. North Melbourne, they said, we're now approaching North Melbourne, or what they say. <laughs> and we didn't. We just sat yeah. there. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then we crawled through the loop. So I was yeah. late getting here because I came on public transport that right. day. Right. Uh, because the very problem, we were trailing a train yeah. through the loop. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well, well, by offering um, more capacity through the whole system, you would be able to run less trains per hour on any individual line. Therefore, there would be a likelihood that things would run run better because there'd be more of a gap between trains. Uh-huh. But we don't we don't expect our trains to do anything that, that good public transport systems all over the world manage to do every day, which mm-hmm. is run a train every three minutes on the same uh-huh. track. Yeah. Um, why we have so much trouble doing it, I don't know. Yeah. Better better signalling will help. Better, better organisation of stations where there are staff on the platforms to make sure the trains get away on time yeah. would also help. But yeah. all of those things um, seem to be too hard or cost too much money for either the government or mm. the or uh, the, the, the organisation running the system to uh, to do on a on a well proper that, basis. that story about um, the the fact that they got fined for late service, but mm. they, they, you know they're supposed to meet ninety two percent, but mm. that's still pretty low, isn't it, in a public transport oh, system? Oh well, you know, not it's getting up there. They have been raising that level in the, as the contracts come and gone. They have been and. They're supposed to be able to. They say they can meet it. That's, mm, know, they haven't yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> but there are other things going on too. There's mm. um, there's um, Melbourne Fu- Rail Futures. That Bob, yeah, Rail that Futures Bob, yeah. Institute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've mm. also been saying that they want to see what's called Melbourne Metro Two built before yeah. the orbital orbital suburban lines built, and Melbourne Metro Two would be a line that would go from Clifton Hill through uh, uh, Fitzroy, Parkville, under the city. And Fisherman's Bend. And then out out, out the Fisherman's Bend and then under the river and then connect yeah. into the Werribee line. Oh, yeah. and skip the city altogether? No, no, it'd be going oh. under the city. city. Oh, but through the it'd go. It'd, 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 it'd uh, have an interchange station at Flagstaff, where, oh. the, where the present Flagstaff station is. Oh, my God. And then possibly underneath um, Southern Cross as well. Wow. But then it would go... Under the river and out to Newport, you see the the Werribee line is very congested, as we know, and this would be the way to give the new route for the Werribee services to come into the city much quicker. They'd, they'd probably mm. save easily ten minutes by coming directly in that way. Also, mm. servicing all the development that's going to go on at Fisherman's Bend. Because there's congestion at Clifton Hill as well, because mm. the two, the two lines mm-hmm. join at Clifton Hill yeah, and yeah. turn it just have the one line. Yeah, yeah. again, yeah. again, you know, that, again, the congestion probably shouldn't happen if everything ran really mm. well. But but mm. there is, still comes a point where you can't run more trains. Exactly, you're and at capacity uh, basically. Yeah, 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 but not really yet. But they're yeah. getting there. Um, so this, so the new line would take over one of the services, possibly the Mernda service, the one that goes out to Webbing and now, now goes to Mernda. 
Which is all mm. the Mernda line. I used to live on that line, and it's always oh. really packed yes. in peak hour. I've been reading, reading, yeah. reading in the last last week that yeah, it's, you could, it's really bad. You yeah. could go past many stations mm. between sort of Northcote and Clifton Hill, mm-hmm. and no one's getting on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, you mm. know, there, there probably should be a two-level service where you're running some out of, running an outer suburban yeah. service with some express running close to the city. But we do exactly. very li- we do very little of that in Melbourne, which again makes makes the um, trains feel unattractive because you're stopping at every station, yeah. and that might be twenty stations. Which is interesting because the Hurstbridge line does that. Mm. They run the express ones at peak hour for people coming in to mm. work, but the Mernda line doesn't, doesn't. and you mm. can exactly. really tell the difference. And, yeah, and you, right. and you can't. And really, it's only because historically the Hurstbridge line did that. Yeah, that they've maintained it. Yeah, uh, but because you can't it, change but it, they don't really be... want. They don't really want to run those sort of services because, again, it adds a bit more complication it is, to yeah. running. But, but you know, systems all over the world do manage to run out of suburban. I always thought the one that didn't suburban. get the expresses was more working class than the other. But well, yeah. So. Well, that's, that's, that's one way to look at it, yeah. Mm. But, and then there are only a few lines that get some out of suburban services running express all day. Like, you do get a bit of that on the Ringwood line. Mm. Um, mm. You know, yeah. you get a bit of that, but not not. It, it doesn't happen all over, and it should because the network's got so big, and it's so extensive, and the trips are so long. And then some of the some of the trips are now way over an hour from the outer outer reaches. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it does get. If you're doing it every day, it gets pretty boring. I would mm. think you, you mm. do a lot of reading, though, of course. Yeah. So uh, so the guys at Rail car, Futures, yeah. the guys at Rail Futures, maintain that there'd be a more impact on the current issues of congestion with the system by building Melbourne Metro 2. But um, Mm. unfortunately, um, Andrews has come back and said, no, our Mm. next priority is the orbital rail line. And we're going to start in 2022, I think. Yeah, but the trouble is it's going to take 20 or 30 (laughs) years to build. While in the meantime, they ignore a whole lot of other Mm. things. Pressing issues. Pressing issues, Yeah. yeah. It's sort of... I, and I think everybody like jumps on the orbital thing because they think, oh, goody, it's going to be new. Obviously, they won't be able to run it as badly as they run the bits mm, now. Yeah. So it'll, it'll sort of be a... <laughs> Can you explain how that sort comes of a, <laughs> It's a sort of desperation. It's a sort of de- feeling of desperation. You know, yeah. It'll have to be better, won't it? Well, on what, yeah. That's right. On what basis would it not be as bad I mean, in yeah. terms well, of running? Well, like, in reality, exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, yet, and when you think about it, here's another way to think about it. You know, everybody's saying, oh, goody, I'll be able to go around the, the big loop to get where I want to go. But, but on a good functioning system with some semi-express tr- running and all that sort of thing, if you were going from Dandenong to the airport, you wouldn't want to go around the loop. No. You'd want to go straight take across a long time. Yeah. through the middle. Yeah. But all these people are already imagining, oh, going, going through the city is so dreadful. Right. I'll go around the loop. But if they made it better to go through mm-hmm. the city, it would be different. Because there'll always be, and this is a point Round Futures are making, there'll always be far more people people wanting to head towards the centre, not always all, all the way, but mm. it's always going to be the, the goal. The Rail Futures maintain if you want to build the orbital thing, it, it may not necessarily need to be built as a heavy rail metro. Mm. It could be built as something lighter right. with lower capacity, mm. like they're using in um, Paris for their metro that they're building. I don't know what they're calling it. Hopefully <laughs> part of the planning will be assessing need, No. Right? <laughs> I mean, as far as I can see, it's all over. Andrews has spoken. Oh, well, I thought that they were the commitment at the election was to 
investigate it. <laughs> well, Andrews right? is now saying... Andrews has spoken like the first premier. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sounding... He's starting to sound like the... It's a, it's a done most, deal. A done deal, a bit like um, poor old Footscray in their um, Park. in mm, Parkland. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really worrying. There's all this so-called planning, you know. Like, it's again, the North East Link, the road thing is like that. I mean, mm. we're... It, it's going to be built with this 20-lane capacity. I mean, again, it's being built um, on the assumption that, that roads are going to be the way we get around forevermore. Hmm. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, we know with global warming and, oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, hmm. it may not be. Well, on that last point, of course, a, a listener said us a... Um, a uni super magazine called Super Informed, and it, mm-hmm. it provides the, um, it recommends, and I want to thank the listener, uh, it recommends the three best performing shares to uni super, and the third one is Transurban, mm. which they invested in, of course, at the very outset when we were all opposing that freeway. Coming in at third place was the perennial stable star Transurban, 30.8% mm. up. Given the established fortress nature of its toll road assets in major cities, Transurban has benefited greatly from the sharp decline in bond yields as investors look for other ways to earn sustainable income. Transurban's growth profile was also enhanced by two very large deals, the Westgate Tunnel Project in Melbourne, which included a 10-year extension to the CityLink concession, and the West Connex, that Sydney one, we won't go into that. The five toll roads involved come with a concession term of 42 and a half years compared to about 28 years that the company currently has. So not only is Transurban able to deliver an attractive growing annuity stream, we expect it to do so for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. well, here we've got roads being used purely as an investment vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... and, and uh, we have a you know a labor a, a state labor government which seems to be totally in cahoots mm. you know totally in agreement with that's the way to go well the, the, the Westgate tunnel one of course that was their own proposal they put it to the government and said let's do it and yeah. you give us the money yeah, yeah. and obviously <laughs> wish that, I could do that and obviously yeah. somewhere. <laughs> I think obviously that had been negotiated before before the Andrews government got into power too because that that all happened very quickly after they got into mm. power that was all often. Off and off running, and running yeah. Yeah. which again yeah. is, you see, there's really that they don't see any need for process really when it comes yeah. down to it. Yeah. So if they if they're going to put all the rail money into the orbital thing, um, there will be large sections of the existing network that aren't still that aren't working well. Aren't working well. Mm. Uh, it, it seems to me that there's one major failure of infrastructure about once a week. Mm. On the present system, where something goes badly wrong, which 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 um, affects a whole whole lot of peak hour trains, mm. you know, and that's just pathetic. In Sydney, the, the, their system seems to be much more reliable. And when things go wrong there, the, the screams and yells, and howls is, is huge compared with what you get in Melbourne, because again, mm. in a Pavlovian sense, people have got, sort of got, got used account. to it. Yeah. Mm. But nonetheless, if you're stuck on the station, at least there's good news coming up in the next month or two. And speaking of good news, it's Sky News. They, oh, remember no. They, they got, remember they got taken off a year ago because yeah. they, yes. they did something stupid. They're so offensive. Um, that's right. The, the interview with a far-right extremist. Well, they've been given permission to come back on. They're going oh. to start again shortly, so we're going to get the news Rupert Murdoch style with our station. So we'll oh, sit goody. Um, no, it bugs wonderful? me so much to be advertised to mm. on a public 
mm-hmm. transport thing. I'm already mm-hmm. paying for this public mm-hmm. utility. I don't want to pay in with my attention. Mm-hmm. I'm so annoyed by that. What have you got against Rupert Murdoch? Oh, look. <laughs> let me count the ways. <laughs> well, of course, on your train, you're, you're surrounded by advertising everywhere inside the That's carriage right. as well. And I hate having to listen mm-hmm. to it. It mm-hmm. feels really intrusive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, that's yep. good I news. I did not sign up for the that. The only thing is... Even bigger cans on your ears, I well, think. Well, look, yeah, they, that's they, right. they always had the commercial radio on on the buses in, in Hobart, and I oh. used to always take the bus, and I literally was there. They thought I was terrible because I'd go into the um, office, like the main uh-huh. office of Metro, and just say, um, I don't want to be advertised to. No. I don't want to listen no. to this. And they were like, well, bad luck. Yeah. There was a nice story told yesterday on radio, the classic radio station. Um, they were talking about... Jesse Norman, who died in the last couple of yes. days, and um, they said she got into a taxi at one one time, and the, uh, the driver had this sort of pounding, loud music going, and she said, well, "Would you mind turning the music off?" And the driver said, first passenger of our head who doesn't like music." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she sorted him. <laughs> she was not a la- lady who would take pill. She didn't entertain pool so much. Uh, no. Yeah, that's right. Oh, but no, well, I, I mean, I just cannot get over Andrews yeah. and this orbital thing that is, you know, now it's, you know, it's, it's, this, is, this is his line now. You know, this is what we're going to spend the money on. No, no, we're not, not even going to consider Melbourne Metro 2. By the way, I think Melbourne Metro 2 is far more useful than Melbourne Metro 1. Mm. Um, I, I think the money they're spending on 1 should be being spent on 2. But anyhow... It's too late now. It also reflects the fact that they closed the St Kilda Port Melbourne rail lines and you're now trying to find a new rail route into that area. Mm. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. Is that what yeah. they're talking about with the rail futures one? Do they say that? Or well, no? it's the, sort of the metro the too goes across yeah. there to Fisherman's Bend, which has oh, now been developed. It's close, yeah. close to yeah. where, the, where the Port Melbourne line yeah. goes, which is now uh, so-called light rail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, the the Federal um, Department Mm. of Infrastructure sent a report to Morrison in the past week or so, gloating that new road projects, including the Westgate Tunnel and the North East Link, Mm -hmm. with all these things they're talking about, um, they may have made it easier to build the shelved east-west link and because that's desperately, the federal government desperately mm. somehow wants to do it. Mm. And so they're, they're boasting, and I think we can all see that. I mean, was, once, that was that Infrastructure Australia saying that? Was that it? was the, um, the Federal Department of Infrastructure. Oh, that's different. Um, reporting to Morrison, yeah. the more, I think the rule of thumb is the more organisations you have dealing with an area, the less likely anything is mm. going to happen. Mm. That seems about right. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, well... <laughs> right. Um, Infrastructure Australia, I don't think, has ever given East West Link a very good rating in terms of its viability. No, but no. the politicians, conservative politicians, just love it. Mm. They seem to think it's important to get their people from the eastern suburbs to the airport more than anything. But, yeah. but also to the city. But as I try to keep explaining to people, all it will do will will be move people around to the other side of the city where they'll still be trying to get into the CBD. So they may as well just dump them off at, on the eastern side at Hoddle Street and allow yeah. them to filter in from that side, yeah, which they, go. they do now. Yeah. So it's not it's not really going to make a lot of difference. But, but, it, but any road capacity is seen as always being a good thing. It doesn't matter where mm. it's built. Mm. Uh, but as we know also, the original report, um, it just didn't add up economically. No. And they weren't admitting that. They were denying that. Yeah. But now they're virtually saying that by saying mm. with these new roads mm. it will now look better mm. economically, mm. which is sort of saying it didn't yeah, look too yeah. good back then. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's one of their arguments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they don't. 
seem to accept that you cannot build enough road capacity to to allow things to run freely in the uh, peak hour. Mm. I um, listened to the the boss of the uh, Northeast Link project uh, twisting and turning in the wind while Raf Epstein nipped at his ankles. Raf never never nips all that hard, mm. but even Raf was was able to get him to look uncomfortable because Raf was saying, "Well, are you seriously saying that this road is going to allow traffic to run?" freely in peak hour in 30 years' time. You know, mm. you know, really, he was asking, why are you building it 20 lanes? You know it's not going to be able to run free, free traffic, so why, mm. why try to enlarge it for the peak period? Why not just make it big enough for the off-peak, mm. which is what ends up happening anyhow? And mm. this guy was not going to be pinned down on the fact that the traffic was not going to run freely. Oh yes, it's oh yeah, oh it's going to be so good. It's going to run at yeah, it's going to mm, run at a hundred mm. k's an hour in peak hour in thirty years time. Yeah. But we know every time they've widened the Tullamarine freeway, mm. the congestion, if if it goes away at all, is back in a matter of months, mm. as it is already out there. Well, now. they they all, they all will promise that they'll get free yeah. flows all over but the place. Can, but and they, obviously, mm. it's somewhere in their head, there is the fantasy still continues that, that it's possible, and it's not. Well, mm. the biggest fantasy because of all is roads are so attractive as a, as a way to travel if you've got the car, and if you have uh, no other options. Uh, yeah, yeah, but often, yeah, but even if you've got another option, if you've got a car somewhere to park in the city and maybe somebody pays, pays your toll for you, mm. of course you're going to drive if you possibly can. Mm. Even if it re- and you pays your up, fines. There was a story uh, the yeah, other day that companies are right. paying the fines of drivers. And people and, end up sitting yeah. in peak sitting in, in peak hour traffic. But even so, they're saying, well, I'm still doing better than those f- fools on the trains. So, you, you know, it's not a fair fight really between the car and the, tr- and the no. public transport. The car is made so facile, so good, mm. that it's it's a wonder anybody takes the train. And they're still saying there could be a chance of a future train line there. I mean, how ridiculous when mm. they're taking every, those two. Yeah. That means they have to take some of those 20 lanes out mm. again mm. Sure. when it was originally meant to be a train line anyway. Yeah, well, it was meant to be at least a reservation. But some they're... silly writer to the age the other day, a letter writer, said, why not therefore build the train line now? <laughs> oh. Was that you, Kevin? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was someone else. Oh, but it, it, was probably, it was probably Dan Andrews' alter ego, you know, the, the one he used to have when he, when he had labour values. Yeah. Yeah. we got to go, John. We're out of time, unfortunately. We've run out of it, but uh, there you are. Well, there you Covered go. A bit. But there are another couple of things I wanted to talk about, but we won't. Next month. We'll get on next to it next month. month. All right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank, well, thank Meg for doing a great job. Thanks for doing a great job, Meg. Thanks for being here, John. Let's finish with a song by Dan Sultan. Oh. Yeah.